What's up guys, Jeff Cavalier, AthleteNext.com. So today we're gonna to talk about partial range of motion versus full range of motion. Which one is better? And I'm gonna tell you right off the bat, guys, you're gonna say as a physical therapist, I know Jeff's answer, he always wants full range of motion. But you're gonna be surprised here, because the fact of the matter is, we have to make one very important distinction right off the bat, and that is, are we talking about a joint, or are we talking about an exercise? Let me give you an example, a bench press. We know that the full range of motion on a bench press should look like this. We should have the bar fully extended out over our chest. We should lower the bar down, touch the chest, and then push that bar back up overhead to full extension. Right? That is full range of motion on the bench press. However, is that full range of motion for the chest? The answer is no. Because we know that the chest muscle is attached to our arm here, which means it crosses the shoulder joint, and it can do more than just this. It can take our arm across our body, something I talked about a lot on this channel, and that is into full adduction. That is full joint range of motion for the chest, but it's not being explored here on full range of motion of an exercise. Now, there are instances where the two will match up, like on a, on a bicep curl. We take our elbow, we know that the elbow can fully extend, we know the elbow can fully flex, and we do that on every repetition of a curl. So sometimes they overlap. But if you don't make that distinction, then you could wind up leaving a lot on the table in terms of your training and the effect that you're after in your training, because in this case, I will say right off the bat, there are some very good applications and reasons why you should be doing partial range of motion. Here's one of those examples. If I'm training for hypertrophy, I know that there's one thing that can really, really help me in my pursuit of that, especially if I've kind of run up against the wall in terms of progressive overload, or I don't want to uh, incur the effects of the, the soreness of eccentric overload, and that is exploring metabolic training. And we know that metabolic training is something that requires a lot of fortitude, number one, the ability to kind of withstand that burn as I go rep after rep after rep, but we can do that even more effectively when we shorten the range of motion on particular exercises. When we take an exercise back again, like the curl, if I were to drop off most of the range of motion there and keep it into the top, let's say, 30 degrees, what I've done is I've shifted most of the focus of that exercise to the contracted position. In here as well, I've also created a bit of an occlusion effect. I'm not allowing that blood to escape that muscle. I'm in that contracted range, and I'm repetitively exploring that range without ever going into full extension at that joint. So I get more of this metabolic buildup. It becomes a lot harder to resist that burn. It becomes even more effective if I can resist that burn. It becomes a great exercise for creating hypertrophy. We can do it on other exercises as well. We can do it on a side lateral raise. I get the elbow up to the side here, and I don't go all the way down. I keep it to that upper portion. And the same thing here could be done with a crossover, which is actually great because it's actually filling in the gaps of what was missing in terms of that joint range of motion for the chest, crossing the shoulder, on the bench press. But what's in common with all these is that these are really single joint exercises. The application of this shortened range of motion, the partial range of motion, is great here when we talk about these single joint exercises because I can really focus on obtaining that burn and keeping that burn going. Why wouldn't we want to do that in other places? I'll talk about that in a second. Why compound lifts wouldn't necessarily fit that mode. Why would we want to do that? But I'll give you another application here. Anybody ever have to recover from an injury? Partial range of motion is a godsend for getting through that. How do we do that? Well, let's just pretend that you can't get your arm overhead for whatever reason. Rotator cuff issue, right? Labrum issue. Well, would you want to forego all overhead activities? Would you want to never try to lift your arm up over your head until you were fully recovered? No, that would be a major mistake. You could actually go into a different movement pattern. You could take a high to low row, and what I'm getting is I'm getting a kind of cutting the distance in half with my overhead needs. 
instead of having to get all the way overhead, I could be out here at 45 degrees. And what's more important is that as I'm rolling down and extending up in front of me, I'm getting motion in this joint. I'm allowing the synovial fluid to bathe this joint to actually bring blood to the joint to enhance and speed up recovery. So we know that employing partial range of motion in terms of getting back from an injury is a crucial aspect of not having to avoid training altogether. But I mentioned the compound lifts, I mentioned the full range of motion. This is where I like to use it. Why? Because it's really important to achieve what we're trying to achieve, I think, with the bigger compound lifts, and that is stacking joints and letting them work together. Take, for example, the squat. If I were to do a quarter squat, is there any real benefit to that? You should probably know the answer is no, but why? That's what's more important. What's going on here at the ankle in a quarter squat? Really nothing, and that's the problem. If we want more dorsiflexion, we're gonna have to get down lower. And what about the knee? Are we getting anywhere near the flexion that we need in our knee to realize our full knee flexion range of motion? No, because we're not getting down low enough. And, we, and it goes up the chain, guys. It goes into your hips. It goes into your thoracic spine. In order to get this to operate correctly and get those joints to operate together correctly, we need to explore full range of motion. This is where it's best. This is where we're allowing all those muscles that cross those joints to work together in one coordinated effort. This is what's functional. This is what's necessary. So we want to make sure we do that. So when we're training for strength on these big compound lifts, full range of motion is where you want to be 99% of the time because there's always that 1%. What is that 1%? Well, if you get to the point where you become a competitive power lifter, let's say, and you're utilizing the bench press as one of your examples here of, of, of how you want to, where you want to excel, you might need to use partial range of motion. Why? We've had one of our, our very own in this gym here, Casey Mitchell, an incredibly accomplished powerlifter who uses his accessory lifts, namely the floor press, as a way to enhance his bench press. How is that possible? Because he knows that the lockout portion is difficult. The lockout requires more tricep contribution. If he feels he's lacking there and it's hindering his ability to do the press as a whole, utilizing partial range of motion floor press is going to help him to build up his strength that will carry over when he goes back to the full bench press. And that's exactly what he said. He spends more time on his accessory lifts than he does on his regular compound lifts because he knows how important they are. Anybody that would discount this, especially and call themselves a strength coach, doesn't understand it. They don't. We know range of motion and the value of range of motion at a joint and how it contributes to an exercise. So what I'm, what I'm telling you guys is that you need to make sure that you have your mind open to both. Know when you want to use full range of motion. Know when you might need to explore partial range of motion. Know that not one of them is exclusively great and the other one is, is bad and something to avoid. So I hope guys that this video sort of opened your eyes to that. In the meantime, if you're looking for programs that understand this and realize that there's going to be a need for both, putting them together does require a scientific approach and that's what we always try to do here on this channel and that's why I take all the time to explain to you guys so you understand why we do what we do, not just saying do this. And those programs, guys, are all available at athletics.com. In the meantime, if you found this video helpful, leave your comments and thumbs up below. Let me know what else you want me to cover, and I'll do my best to do that for you. And if you haven't already done so, guys, please subscribe and click on those notifications so you never miss a new video when it's published. All right, guys, I'll see you again soon.